Welcome to this edition of Three Beers and a Scotch. We're going to do something a little different. We are interviewing some of the local breweries that are popping up around the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And our first in this series of episodes is Firewheel Brewery. It's located in Rowlett, Texas. It's uh, on the east side of Dallas. And uh, had a great talk with Brad Perkinson, who has has sort of built this brewery from uh, ground up. And uh, features some really good beers that are starting to make their way into the uh, the bars and gastro pubs and all that kind of stuff uh, all around the Dallas area. Also, be sure to check out the uh, photos on ideologyofmadness.com. I took some photos around his uh, brewery, and um, the day I was there, you'll be able to hear in the background, they were filling kegs and, and getting things ready. They're in full production over there. So uh, find your way to a bar that serves Firewheel Brewing beers. And uh, enjoy. Here is the interview with Brad Perkinson. So have you done any other breweries yet? No, you're my first one. I've got a couple other lined up uh, this week, in fact, and uh, but y'all are my first one. Awesome. Well, starting with the uh, smallest by far first, um, when you go to the other breweries, you'll be like, holy crap, they're so big. (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, that's that's the one thing I can tell you about our brewery is that we are really small. Um, It's just me. I'm the the owner, the founder, the brewer, the janitor, and the salesman. Everything yeah. in between. Um, you know, at one point, I was a construction worker. I, I laid the drains <laughs> you're standing on right now. Really? Cut the concrete, poured the concrete, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, we're really small, but we make good beer. At least yeah. I think so. <laughs> well, you know, I uh, I tasted Jarl's beer at the uh, the Dallas Observer. Okay, the Brewfest. Yeah, Brewfest. Yeah. To be honest, it's been long enough ago now that I don't really like remember. Oh yeah, that was that. But I was just really impressed. My favorite line was was all the local stuff. Oh, I mean, that's where and, the whole event was based at. This, yeah. The other like, who's gonna sit in line and wait for a Lone Star <laughs> at a beer event? Let me tell you, you didn't have to wait for Pabst. Yes. <laughs> Let me just tell you that. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, there was like eight tenths right in a row started with I think Deep Elm was the first one in line mm-hmm. and then me then Lakewood then Petty Colas then Cedar Creek and Revolver all in that right right good set the community was there passing out t-shirts because they yeah. weren't up yet but uh yeah, that was definitely where the, the spot was. And let me tell you, the porta potty lines were so long over there. Oh, it's ridiculous. You had to go over to the other side to use a bathroom unless you wanted to wait an hour. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, we, uh, you know, towards the beginning of the night, it wasn't so bad. Right. Got into the bathroom, I right. was like, oh, this is fine. Later in the evening, I was like, oh, I'm just going to run to the bathroom real quick. At the end, I started slashing my pass, like, oh, I'm living in. I need, <laughs> I need to go. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, that was good. Um, but, uh, yeah, so let's, we can take you around the back here and gonna show you what we do yeah uh, well first of all um i am the only employee but we do have volunteers that come out and help he's uh this is josh he's been helping me a lot lately hey josh how are you? i'm mark nice to meet you yeah nice to meet you um, we have a couple other guys that come on the weekends or whenever they have a day off on friday or something like that to help out um and my wife obviously volunteers an extremely large amount <laughs> but uh but yeah so um we have volunteers to help out but this is this is the space about 12 1300 square foot um, and it's uh, we got a lot of room for expansion, if you will. Yeah. We've got our uh, our grain here. We have a grain pile, and we have our, our homebrew uh, quality 
quality or homebrew caliber, I should say, grain mill that we put a drill on and yeah, yeah. to a, a small brewery level uh, grain mill. And then we have uh, our completely made from scratch brew house. So I don't know if you're a home brewer. I am. I am. So yeah. this is basically a humongous three-tier homebrew system. Okay. Uh, they're 110-gallon stainless barrels, so it's the equivalent of your five-gallon stainless pot at home. Right. Uh, this will be the mash tun, which is your big igloo cooler for all grain, uh, the hot liquor tank. Uh-huh. So basically the same setup. Uh, I even made my own false bottom, which is over here. It's uh, basically a grid of, of copper. Oh yeah. On top of a perforated aluminum sheet. Perfect. So yeah, it's uh, <laughs> everything's real simple, and you know I, I sweat copper. I learned to weld and all that stuff to get everything going and, and to, to build this because I don't have a, a humongous amount of capital, right. so I need to save and and use it where I need it, like the two tanks here. Um, so these are the pride and joy of the brewery. Uh, these are our two fermentation tanks. Well, one fermenter, and then I use the other one as a bright tank. Currently. Okay. Um, so these are seven barrel, 210 gallons. Uh, they make enough beer for one man to drink for about a year and a half. So, and that's, that's a, a pretty good stock. Yeah, that's right. at uh, like four pints a day. Oh, okay, yeah. So, you know, a, a decent amount of beer every day lasts you over a year. That's great. Um, so these are currently both full. We're we're kegging up our second batch of the Midnight Ninja right now. Yeah, and what what, what all beers here are you going in? All right, so we have two beers right now: the Texas Pale and the uh, Midnight Ninja. The Texas Pale Ale is a extremely hoppy, a little malty. Um, maltier version of a pale ale, so it's Texas size. Yeah. Um, now, people, some people describe it as an IPA, but you know, India pale ale is just another location, so why not have a Texas pale ale? Exactly. It's our own version of the pale ale, bigger and better in all aspects. Um, it's only about five and a half percent alcohol, uh, so it's a drinkable beer. Yeah, for instance. But it definitely will uh, will appease the hop heads. Yeah. It's uh, about 55 IBU, so it's got a little, okay. a little yeah. kick to it. A little, it's, yeah. And it's a sharp hop. It's not the uh, the Yakima sweet citrusy hops. Right. So it's more of an earthy punch, which cool. is good. Yeah. Um, the Ninja, on the other hand, uh, it's a six and a half percent black ale. Uh, not really a porter per se. Um, I say if you're going to try and describe it, it's like a, a bigger, fluffier ale. It's got dark, roasted notes. So okay. it's, it's got a lot of body to it, mm-hmm. uh, but it's really smooth and drinkable. What's its IBU? Uh, about 25. Okay. So it's you know minimal hop additions. Right. Uh, you're going to get a lot of the sweet malt out of it. Um, and... Yeah, like I said, most people that try it, even if they don't want to try it, I make them try it. Yeah. And they really enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, it's the, probably the most drinkable beer I make. Yeah. Um, and it's the darkest. People are really confused by that. <laughs> uh, we have a couple other beers um, we're making in the process, or uh, in the, we are making or in the process of releasing. Uh, just kind of, we've got a lot of brews that we do that are only available on tours. Uh, so right now we have the, uh, the pumpkin and the albino pumpkin draft here at the brewery. Uh, like I said, only available, uh, the albino pumpkin, this is the last two gallons of it. Once oh, it's gone, okay. it'll be gone 
um, until it's resurrected and released next year. Okay. Um, the pumpkin is a, an amber version of this. Just the standard pumpkin uh, uh-huh. is available at Jack Max as his house beer for the next month, maybe. Uh, he's got a couple kegs, and when they're gone, they're gone. They're same gone, same yeah. type thing. Uh, and then uh, we got a couple other beers we're looking at doing for uh, our big event on the 14th, actually a week from today. Uh, on the 14th of November, we're doing a huge open house brewery thing here for Dallas Beer Week. Oh, yeah, great. Um, I have a fly around here somewhere. But uh, we're releasing, for the first time, for anybody who's ever going to taste it, a honey ale, which is, not to toot my own horn, but it's pretty good. Is it good? It's yeah. Really, and there's no honey in it. Okay. It's honey malt just and the, honey flavor. Yeah, and, profiles. Oh, it's, it's delicious. Yeah. Um, some people might say it's even too sweet, but, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a big fan of if you say it's something, it better taste like what you say. Right. So if it's a honey beer, I want it to taste a lot like honey. Right, exactly. We're also going to be uh, debuting uh, a blonde ale, mm-hmm. which we call our photon ale. Um, and that's kind of my, my geeky, nerdy side coming out because a photon is a particle of light. Yeah. A blonde is a lighter style beer. I'll never say it's a light beer, ever, because, well, first of all, legally I'm not allowed to because of the qualifiers <laughs> of a light beer. But, yeah, it is a, it's a lighter blonde ale, uh, minimal hop, just very, very drinkable. Yeah. Uh, lower alcohol, I'd say, you know, high fours, mm-hmm. around 5%, so not crazy. Right. Uh, we're going to have, obviously, our, our two beers on that event as well. Ooh, text message. <laughs> we're going to have... A homebrewer collaboration out here. Uh, I think it's going to be a prickly pear beer. Okay. We're going to have some flavored, fruit-flavored uh, Texas pale ales. Mm-hmm. So like a, maybe a strawberry, a raspberry, something like that. Okay. Just just because. Why not? Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's going to be a lot of different things out here. It's going to be it's going to be a good night. Um, you saw the the, the uh, beer garden out back. We got that all set up last night, and I built a fire pit as well. So it's going to be a really cool event. I'm excited because it'll give people an excuse if they're not normally into craft beer. It's Dallas Beer Week, so get your butt out to a brewery and experience it. You know? Yeah, yeah, no kidding. So that's that's going to be really fun. It's going to be our biggest event uh, besides our initial first release day. Our biggest event in, in our history, so it's really cool. Our three and a half month history. Yeah, well, tell me a little bit of how, how you guys got started and like what sparked this whole thing. I'm guessing you're home brewer and... And all that. How did, how did it all how, how did it all go? Yeah. So, uh, well, first of all, I'm 26, um, and I got married. Let's say three years ago, almost to my wife uh, in December of 2009. Yeah. So my best man bought me a homebrew kit as my wedding present. So January 2010, I started yeah. my my homebrew kind of world. It was really, really fun. My first batch was horrible. Really? I messed it up pretty bad. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it was an extract, obviously, and I somehow missed the part in the instructions where you're supposed to fill it back up to five gallons. All so right. I was rolling about three and a quarter gallons, and it's it's fermenting this thick, syrup-like stuff, and right. the yeast was having issues. Can't and imagine. Then yeah. After about four days, I called the homebrew place that the kit came from, and like, oh, you're supposed to fill it up. I'm like, can I do it now? They're like, well, you can do whatever you want. It's only going to make it better. It might not be the best, right. but it will be better. It's not going to be what it's supposed to be. So I topped it off, and uh, in hindsight, it was horrible. Right. When I bottled it and drank it, 
I was like, well, it's not that you bad. Just suffer through it. Right, it's like drinkable. You're make I drank it. all yeah, yeah, yeah. 49 bottles, I think it was, of it. Right. Um, I was like, you know, at that time, it's homebrew. How good could it really be? You know, there's billion-dollar corporations making right. beer. There's probably a reason that you can't make beer on a small scale. So I just... <laughs> it's chocolate. That's as good yeah, as homebrew gets. Right. I was like, yeah, it'll probably be a little better next time since I messed up the instructions. But it, it doesn't taste that bad. Like I said, it was just an amber ale. Kind of... Yeah. Uh, the second beer I did was a double IPA. It was still extract, but it was probably one of the best beers I've ever brewed. Okay. It was amazing. I, I can never duplicate it. I don't know what I did. You don't know what, what you I did, did right. I didn't take yeah. notes back then. I didn't know what to take notes on. Right. You know, what temperature did I do my mini mash in? What temperature did I, or what, how long did I, at the hops and how much? I don't know. <laughs> but it was really, really good. Right. Um, so I started brewing more and more and more after that second batch because I kind of had, oh, you can make good beer. Right. Uh, and then the, uh, the coworkers and the friends started to get wind that I was, that I was brewing. Uh, and they were coming over and they were drinking it and they were wanting more and more and more. So I ended up brewing eventually twice a week. And yeah, the whole really? thing twice a week, five gallons, bottling twice a week. Wow, it's a, it was and a you lot were already in like production, though. right? Yeah, I mean, I was yeah. making enough because my friends wanted it. They kept drinking it, so I was like, "Well, I gotta make more. I gotta make more." Um, and this was starting to be in, say, 2011, mm-hmm. kind of early in the year. So I'd been brewing for a year at that point, and I, at, I guess at that time it was about 30 batches or so. I was I was in, um, in an, under a year. So it was a lot of brewing. That's a lot, yeah. Yeah, because I didn't think I don't think I did the first four batches in four months. It was really slow to start. Yeah. Uh, but I got I got cooking pretty uh, pretty quick. Yeah, no kidding. And then I started to think, well, this is starting to get kind of a lot of work. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to not enjoy it as much because I'm doing it so much. And you can do a bigger batch, and it doesn't take any longer, really. Right. You just need the bigger equipment. So I started designing a uh, basically garage brewery, if you will, mm-hmm. and a kick-ass homebrew system. Yeah, I was looking maybe some fifty-gallon drums and something like that. Uh, and I ended up getting laid off from my my financial world position. Yeah. Um. So I took a week off. Went. I went on vacation. Uh, hang out with one of my buddies. And then I came back. Oh, it was in Seattle. And I saw all the craft okay. beer and everything. Right. It was great. Came back. I was like, you know what? I think I can make this into a real brewery. Why not? Yeah. Uh, just instead of doing a really big home brew, I'll do a really small commercial brewery. Mm-hmm. Uh, just enough that, you know, no employees, just me. Uh, all I need to do is get my licensing done. And get a basically a, a building that I can do it because you can't have a brewery out of a residential property. Right. So. Well, and how much trouble is like all the licensing? I'm like, I hear that that can be just a, a nightmare. But. It can. Uh, for someone my size, it's a little easier because like on a lot of the forms and stuff, for my answer to the question is too small, not applicable. Yeah. So I don't have to worry about you know a lot of things that people. And also, we're in a city. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to worry about, you know, wastewater. Where is it going? Well, it goes through, you know, the system and everything. We don't, we're not in, in a rural area where they're worried about runoff and stuff like that. Right. Um, you know, and they have power and everything all run here already. So some of the things were easier. But 
it was still a process. And I've had a lot of people ask me about that um, because they can relate to me as if they were to open a brewery, this is probably what they would do. Something right. small. Um, and, I, and I always tell them the hardest thing is figuring out what to do. Mm-hmm. There's no checklist out there for open a brewery, do these 24 things, and you're good. Right. You got to ask somebody in, like, say, the TTB, the federal government. Mm-hmm. Well, what do I need? Well, you need to get this paperwork filled out to start the process. Right. Then you can fill out this while we're approving it. You can go to the bank and get your uh, your money put against the taxes, your bond, basically. And you can do all those things. Well, I didn't know that. And there's no real checklist out there. Right. Um, the same thing for even more so the city. The building inspector, the fire marshal, the health inspector, you know, there's a lot of things you got to do to get it up to a food grade environment because we're making food legally. Right. So you got to appease. It's the same thing as if I'm, you know, basically cutting up chicken or, or making cakes. Right. It's the same requirements. Uh, and I had no idea. I'm a financial analyst, <laughs> yeah. so it was it was all a, a big a big surprise. So I mean, I sealed the concrete floors. I put in new ceiling, new walls. I did a lot of things, but uh, yeah, it was all a learning experience. Um, and it uh, it did take a couple months, to be honest, to get mm-hmm. from okay, I moved in the building, signed the lease. To I got my CO. It was I think two two and a half months with I think three or three and a half I guess inspections of the building. Right. They came in. Nope, you're not quite there yet. But see, that doesn't sound so bad. I've actually heard you know some people say you know from the beginning to the end. I mean you know it can be a year process. It can be you know longer. Yeah, for, and, for the larger facilities. I mean yeah, because if they have to make a change. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of time and job. effort and money. Um, for me. I well, I was very diligent when I asked questions. What exactly do I need to do? Because mm-hmm. I don't have the luxury of having a year. Because this is my life. I don't. Right. I need to need to you know pay my mortgage. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, funny. Let alone yeah. you know having a building like this. Well, that's a second mortgage if yeah. you really think about it. So I went from having a job in one mortgage to no job in two. Luckily, my wife yeah. is uh, very understanding. And right. she's she's been very very good and supportive for this whole thing. That's awesome. Um, That's good. Yeah, she she has a uh, she's actually very good at what she does. She's in the financial field as well. Oh yeah. So it's nice to have. A, That's got to help at least. I mean, to rock. have those bases and you know just going into to a business in general. You know, yeah, you got your love and your passion, but you've got all the skills sort of on the administrative yeah, financial I mean, side I, to be able to regulate. I'm make an it Excel work. genius, pretty much, when it comes to doing all that stuff. That's all I did for 40 hours a week for three years. Right. I lived in Excel. Wow. So, you know, all the financials and all the you know cost per unit per ounce, I and mean, I can tell you how many cents I charge or I, it cost me for grain per ounce of beer. I mean, I've got all that broken down, so I know right. when I you know go to to sell. A, a keg, how much I'm making or losing, or you know whatever, right? At what price? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of nice. I know that my education has prepared me well for a entrepreneurial adventure. Right. Well, now are those mostly like five gallon? Are those what? How? What volume uh, okay, are those so that are out the there? The kegs right now, I have, um, I do exclusively quarter barrel kegs. Okay. Um, seven point seven five gallons. Okay. And if you do the math. That's still heavy at eight pounds a gallon plus, right. you know, a 10 pound keg or a 20 pound, whatever it is. 
people ask me, why don't you do a full-size keg? Because, like, I mean, I'm a big, strong guy. I'm 6'3", 250 pounds. Right. You can do P90X and all that good stuff, but... Still lifting a 140-pound keg is not fun. Right. Especially when I'm doing, you know, dozens of them at a right, time. Right, So the quarter barrels are nice. Yeah. Uh, they might be a little more overhead to initially purchase them. Right. But, yeah, they're still heavy, <laughs> moving eight gallons at a time. Yeah. So that's that's what I have. I have a couple six barrels that I use for my five-gallon batches because they're mm-hmm. 5.16 gallons. Right. So okay. I do, those like, those buckets over there. Mm-hmm. I'll just put those into a six barrel, and it'll be great. Um, okay, but commercially, uh, yeah, quarter barrels are what I've what I'm rolling with. Right now, so when you, because <clears throat> you guys are available, where tell me where you're where right, you can so, get your stuff on tap. Um, we are available, actually spotted throughout the Metroplex right now, and I've been very strategic on where I release it. So starting in the farthest north, I guess we have the Gingerman Plano. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we come out here to Garland, the Firewheel uh, Resus in the Firewheel Mall. Okay. Uh, we have the track, which is a local bar here in Rowlett. Uh, we're in the uh, the Lake Saucer off of 30. Right. I guess technically Garland. We are in uh, Jack Max Swilling Grill off of Preston and Bush. Only Texas beers, Texas wines. Mm-hmm. It's a really it's a really cool place. Um, let's see. We're in Fort Worth actually at a, a new bar called Brood. Okay. It's a gastropub. They've got only Texas beers type thing as well. Actually, okay. we're we're on tap both of our beers there. Okay, it's I haven't been nice. over there. It's kind of yeah. nice having two taps. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually trying to make it out there next week to see what they got because they just opened like a week and a half or two weeks ago. Oh, okay. Um, and you know, Fort Worth is a bit of a drive from Saxe and Rowlett where we are. Yeah, a little bit. Um, let's see. Where else are we? We are at uh, we're good friend. Okay. Um, the burger joint. They are tapping the ninja here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just finished the pale ale. You know, they go through the cycles of, right. of all the locals. Uh, we're about to be in Common Table. I'm making a delivery here pretty soon. Oh, good. Um, they, they were the first one I released it with. Mm-hmm. So that's my menu on the wall right there. Oh, cool. Um, so we're about to go take them to Ninja as well. Um, we're thinking Katie Ice House right down there as well. Mm-hmm. Katie Trail Ice House. Right, right. Right there as well. Um, maybe a couple others. Maybe Addison Saucer here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Um, the thing is, we don't want to grow too quickly because I don't want to run out of, of product. Right. We have a limited capability of production. so And you want to keep it out there. You, right. want, you don't, don't want, want it to run dry. Run right. Exactly. So once I give it to a bar, they're, they're in the system. If they want it, they can get it. Um, you know, I've got a bunch of people asking me to, to, to have it, and I'm, I'm having the issue of you know, production. So we're looking to... Uh, we're looking to add another tank here pretty soon, so we'll double our, our capabilities of production. We'll go from a 7-barrel to a 14-barrel mm-hmm. uh, availability, so we'll do instead of 7 every two weeks, 7 every week, which right. would be nice. Yeah. Um, and that way we can, because you know, we've got Henry's Tavern that wants it, and we've got a couple local places that are going to be able to start. That's good. That are actually already have some demand sitting out there. Yeah. And it's just a matter of filling that. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, the Fillmore Pub in Plano, there's a couple of places in Plano that want it, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're ready. We're excited to, to get up and, and move a little bit yeah. more product out the door. How did you guys, like, initially start getting – right, I say you guys. How did you um, <laughs> uh, start, like, initially, like, get the get the word out and so because you, you guys saw my popped pickup. up. And, you saw my pickup yeah. truck out front. Yeah. I got a little cooler, and I got – I filled it full of some beers. And I went out to, uh, like, Razoo's. I walked in. Can I talk to the manager, please? Sat down, popped a beer, gave it to him. I was like – 
basically, you want my beer? This is what it is. Yeah. I'd love to have you in my stab or my my beer in your establishment. Let's do a deal. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, all right, give me a keg uh, in two weeks. We'll take one off and put yours on. Really? And we'll do one keg, and if it sells, we'll do a second keg. It's okay. basically trial by fire. If you don't sell that first keg quick enough, you're out. We're gonna put you know Shiner back on. Right. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it. it is basically how it works. Um, same thing with most be- most bars. Uh, some of them do call me, which is nice. Like right. Corey at the common table, he called me. He's like, "We want your beer. We want to, you know, be mm-hmm. the first ones." Like, all right, you're gonna be a great place to debut it. Right. Um, good friend. They called me. Mm-hmm. They want it. So there's there are there's a demand for it. But um, aside from those very select few places that really love beer and their business is based on it, mm-hmm. you really kind of got to just go and say, "Here, try it." I bet you'll like it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you can you can get a different crowd of people in here besides the ones that are just drinking BMC. Right. So. What about, uh, so, on your recipes, how do you decide which ones, you know, you think are going to be really remarkable and you go into bigger productions of them? Or, how, you know, how do you, how do you kind of, do you, do you come up with your own recipes? Do you, do you like to tweak others? How, uh, kind of go through that process with me. The, uh, the Texas Pale Ale was just an evolution of all the IPA and, and pale ale recipes that I had brewed as a home brewer. Mm-hmm. Um, traditionally, I'm a hop head. I love hops. Hops yeah. are great. Uh, and I wouldn't drink any darker beers. I mean, I would, but I, if I had my choice, yeah. I'd be going for the you know the, the IPA, the double IPA, uh, the bitters, stuff like that. Right. So um, it was just I brewed a lot of it mm-hmm. and I think the last 12 batches of homebrew before I officially opened and started, you know, pumping out the real stuff mm-hmm. was a, some sort of version of a really multi hoppy pale ale. Yeah. So I figured, you know, that would be a great hop heads can drink it for mm-hmm. the craft people that want it. Um, it's still got a nice multi body to it. So other people can still enjoy it if they're not all about the hops. So it's kind of a something I loved, but multiple people can enjoy. Mm-hmm. So that's how I did that recipe. Uh, the Midnight Ninja, on the other hand, <laughs> was a uh, was basically a mistake I made way back uh, a couple years ago, homebrewing. I was very young in mm-hmm. my recipe formation. I was still using other people's recipes and you know making them. Right. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna try and do something on my own, and it just didn't turn out at all <laughs> like I wanted it to. Uh, I was looking for more of like a amber or a, a light brown color. I didn't know how much roast to add, right. and, uh, when to add the hops, etc., because I didn't know really what they did and how alpha and time affected the IBUs. Right. So I still bottled it and I drank it, and my, my a couple of my buddies actually were like, "This is the best beer we've ever had from you." I'm like, "Really? really? I don't like it because <laughs> I didn't like dark <laughs> really? beers yeah, back yeah, then. Yeah. I didn't like the roasted maltier flavors, um, but." Like I said, hindsight, looking back on it, uh, I guess it was three months ago I started thinking, well, you know what? I'd like to try that again, knowing now what I know about beer Mm -hmm. and craft beer and and especially the the darker beers. Um, So let's try it again. So I brewed up a five-gallon batch, and I tasted it, and I served it on the the tours, and man, everybody liked it. And I did, too. It was really good. Yeah. So I, I tweaked it a little bit, uh, a little more hops here, a little less there, um, changed some of the, the malt I used. But, uh, yeah, it's basically a resurrection of a failed homebrew. <laughs> <laughs> 
so, great. That's great. So that, so so by that point you'd been making notes. You'd been you right. Doing I all think that kind by of stuff. batch eleven. Uh, I think seven was our first all grain. Yeah. And then once you start doing all grain, you got to keep notes because you kind of know you got you got to know what temperature your sparge in, how long you did the mash, etc. What temperature right. you're, you're mashing in at. So you got to take notes like that. So I think by by batch eleven, I had pretty much a consistent spreadsheet that I would print out and then fill in as I was mm-hmm. uh, doing my my brews. So I I have all of them. So, I mean, some of them are just literally on the. Uh, the fridge sticky notepads that you rip off. And I'm like, oh, I don't have anything written down. So, okay, 60 minutes at 157 and sparge at 190, you know, a yeah, bunch yeah. of notes like that. So some of them are a little... Sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they're good enough, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now I can kind of look back and, oh, really? I did that? Well, that was kind of stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all a learning process. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, I'm, I guess I've only been brewing starting from my first homebrew batch right. for under three years now. That's pretty great. So. Yeah, I've been brewing for probably like a little over a year now. I've, okay. I've just started. Um, I've started doing the uh, the all grain probably a couple months ago. Nice. And uh, having fun with it. Having a lot of fun with it. Like you can do a lot of stuff with all grain. It really is good. And um, and it just got a keg set up going. Mm. So I've got right now a, an English bitter, and it's kind of the first thing. It's still kind of even carbon up right now. So. Let me tell you, we'll see what happens. Kegs, but they're so that's like you got the step from you know from ma- or from the uh, extract to the full all grain mash, and then I think the next step is going to that kegging point. And to be honest, it makes it much more enjoyable because mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about am I over carving? Am I going to under carving these bottles? Right. And you don't have to wait two to four weeks. Right. You can drink it in two days. Yeah. It's really awesome. Yeah, much oh. better. And the, the only thing that I'm missing a little bit is I do like to give my stuff away. I like to, you know, I like to put a six pack together and go take it to somebody or whatever. Yeah. And so I'm trying to figure out that. I'm probably going to start doing, um, get myself a little two and a half gallon, and then do like half bottle, half the. But uh, to be honest, what I used to do is I used to keg it all. Yeah. And then bottle from the keg. Okay. Just straight in because. That way, you don't have to worry about it. And it'll hold you enough to artificially carbonate it. And yeah. then, um, like, I got a bottling gun from Blickman, okay. which I still use to this day, actually. Oh, do you, do you really? And yeah, because that way your, your bottles don't have any, you know, don't have a yeast cake in the bottom, which right. is nice. Yeah. Comes out clear because, I mean, most people still care about that, even though it really doesn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, it's extra vitamin D. You know, it's good for you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that way, if you, you can get it to the right carbonation the way you want it, um, and you can have it right then and there. You cap it, and as the bubbles are overflowing, when you take out the gun, mm-hmm. cap it real quick, and it'll it'll stay good. Okay. If and that way you don't have to have weird size kegs and well stuff like that. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I've seen those the the beer guns and stuff, and I'm like, man, eh, I don't know, you know. So. Yeah, I can show you mine out here. What you want okay. to look at later? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay. It's, it's a nice system, really. It, it works quite well. Yeah, yeah, so. definitely. So uh, tell me again. When I first came in, you were telling me a little bit about the uh, the. The, yeah, so we're in the, full the handles, uh, and I'm going to take some pictures of all this. Uh, yeah, we're in full construction mode for our tap handles. Um, I realized about three days ago, oh crap, I've got a lot of ninja. I have two ninja tap handles, <laughs> um, and I got at least seven bars that want it. Right. So we uh, we've been pretty much busting our butts the last couple of days to uh, to make these taps. Uh, basically, I start with a blank canvas, um, as you, you, the pictures will show. Um, and I just basically build it up from scratch with uh, with the hand 
drawn and hand uh, stenciled paint jobs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I've got hand carved Texas or little ninja faces. Yeah. Uh, behind my wheels, we have medallions on the front. We get our name on there with stickers, and we, uh, yeah, we we put the pieces together one by one. It's a it's a pretty uh, labor intensive tap handle. Um, you know, most tap handles are just real simple. They buy them and they stick their their right. label on it. Exactly. Um, my philosophy is. I need a salesman to sell my beer for me, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of move it along. Because there's a lot of local stuff. I mean, right now there's, you know, five, six, seven breweries. Right. So why would they pick Firewheel? Yeah. Um, well, I can't be at every bar to sell my beer, so I need, you know, someone to stand in for me. And what better than a really bright tap handle that's got fire and swords and all yeah. that stuff on it? Well, I think that makes a bigger deal. Like, I'm always... Uh I was over at the uh, the Fort Worth. I, I live in South Arlington, okay. so I'm like way around the other side. I was actually over at the Flying Saucer over there and found myself just sort of like looking down the line and I actually picked a beer that I liked just based on the on the handle. Yeah. Because you're going down, it's like plain, 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 plain. Oh, that looks interesting. My, uh, you know, my, and that's that's great. That's my wife's actually. a wino. She loves oh, wine. She? Yeah. Um, and that's one of the reasons that I started to do the tap handle thing because I know when I go look for wine. I'm going to buy the wine that looks interesting. Because yeah. to me, they all taste pretty much the same. Now, she'll, she'll say a different story, obviously. Right, right. But when I go down the line and I see you know, a picture of a grape, a picture of a field, and I see this bright pink label that says, bitch. Yeah. That's the name of the wine. Yeah. It's a cool Like, I'm a, getting that. It's got a nice heart <laughs> on it, and it's good wine. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's not too expensive, so I'll probably buy that just because it doesn't have a picture of a grape on it. Yeah. Or, you know... Um, like, I was at Jack Max. I wanted to have one of his beers, and it's called the Devil's Backbone. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try that beer just because of the name. Right. So you got to give something that kind of stands out. Um, now, I try to name the beer something interesting, like, you know, the Midnight Ninja. Right. So it also lends itself to really good imagery. So on the tap handle, I can throw a little ninja with a headband on there with two katanas. I love a little, yeah, I love front, that. Oh. Which I do cast myself. Do you really? I make the swords and. Well, I was noticing there the little cast right there. Silicone mold, yep. That's awesome. We do literally do everything here from scratch. Um, and a lot of it I had to learn because I had no idea how to yeah. do any of this stuff. But uh, yeah, it, uh, it's, it's a fun experience just learning how to do things. Um, and the, like I said, I'm pretty proud of the tap handles. They are a. A definite extension of, of what we do here. Yeah. And kind of a representation of, of how we like to do things. Yeah. Uh, one-off, unique. Um, and, you know, that that really goes back to the beer. Lately, I've been drinking a lot more of other people's beer than mine because I know what mine tastes like. Right. Um, but I, I did bring home a keg or two for the house the other day as a research and development. Yeah. You know, to see how it ages. Or yeah. <laughs> well, what, what, are your, what are some of your favorite beers outside of, like, what are some of your inspirations for? Um, I like the shoots. Yeah. The shoots, uh, the Inversion IPA is delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I like their Northwestern, their Northwest Pale Ale. Mirror Pond, not so much. Yeah, I had a Mirror Pond yesterday. I was yeah. fine with it. but it, it, It's a good beer. Yeah. But when I know they have a better Pale Ale, why would I go back to the Mirror Pond? Right, it's right, one of those yeah, things. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Obsidian on nitro, delectable. Yeah, yeah. It is a delicious beer. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of inspired me. I want to get my ninja on nitro here pretty soon. Okay. Just, uh, I think it'd be delicious and creamy and yeah. yummy. Um, other than that, I like bouncing around the uh, the the Sierra Nevada. I think Celebration. It's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that should be coming out here pretty soon. It's it's good. The okay. fresh hop ale. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like it a lot. So those are some of my my favorites. Perfect, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and then, you know, every now and then it just depends on what you're drinking. Yeah. Some nights for me, uh, a good Spaten lager is my favorite beer because I just want something crisp, clean, and right. to the point. Yeah. I don't want anything complex or mm-hmm. anything like that, so it really depends on the night. Yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah, a few nights ago I came in. was super thirsty. I, um, the guy from uh, Revolver, he's, his name is not clicking with me right now, but he was over at our homebrew club. and uh, But he had said, oh, yeah, before I left St. Adams, whatever, I did this crisp apple from Angry Orchard. So I grabbed it. I was thinking, you know, my wife would drink it. I came in real thirsty. Nothing's tasted better. Like I don't. I'm not a cider uh, guy, but it was like it was so good. I, I buy Angry Orchard probably once every two weeks, a six pack, and it's so good. Yeah. It. You come home from a hard day's work and you just drink one. Yeah. It doesn't take you more than two minutes. No. You sit down no, at the TV no. and it's, it's like four sips. It's, it's too drinkable like, almost. It's like oh, that was refreshing. And you're like, okay, I'm ready for a, a you know something else because that's like, yeah, you have a glass of water, then you have your crispin or your, yep, <laughs> yeah, something like that, and you're, you're okay. That kind of winded me down. I'm refreshed. Uh-huh. Got my remote in my hand, my feet up. I'm yep. good to go. Yeah, I think they do a really good job. I've been I've been real impressed with them. And yeah, you know, my wife used to like the uh, like the woodchuck and things like that, but we've it's Angry Orchard all the way now. Yeah, Angry Orchard is is good. Angry Orchard and crispin. Those are the two I like. They I don't know a, if I've had Crispin. The Crispin has a new one out, actually. It's a honey something. Okay. It's interesting. Right. Interesting. But yeah, I'm, I'm a cider guy. I, I don't I don't mind it. It doesn't make me less of a man because I drink cider. No, no, no. And some of my buddies like, oh, you're a big wuss. You drink cider. Yeah. I'm like, on the contrary. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have a, a red sparkling wine. My dad gets from Arkansas, a local, a local uh, winery there. Oh, really? I forget what it's called. It's delectable. Really? Yeah, that and, and a good firewheel beer. Yeah, that's a good night. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, uh, can I take a little taste of yeah, what you got? Yeah, let's get you a glass or two. All right, so this is the Ninja. Uh, no, that would be the Texas Pale Ale. Oh, this is Pale Ale? Okay, it's confused. not dark enough. Don't get confused by the color. Okay. The Pale Ale is... Uh, it's got a little... I would say a, a medium amber, if you will. Maybe a, yeah, a little darker than that. Okay. So... Yeah, uh, when yeah I say, down here I was looking at it. Yeah, when I say Texas, Texas Pale Ale, the Pale Ale is kind of misleading. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a bigger beer on, on all counts. Oh, this is really good. Thank you. <clears throat> like I said, it's, it's yeah. not that sweet citrus hop. Um, I still have Cascade and Centennial in there. Okay. So you can kind of you know build on that. Right. But it's not going to be just straight citrus. It's got more of an earthy bigger bite to it. I like it. It has a great mouthfeel. And this is the uh, this is the most recent batch. Okay. So you're drinking the freshest stuff. Nice and fresh. Yeah. And we really don't age our beers. Yeah, I was going to say, how long do you um, We don't have the time. We don't have the, right. the space to hold a beer. So I was like, oh, you want to barrel age your beer? Yes, I do. I would love to barrel that'd age awesome. it. awesome, yeah. Um, if I had extra inventory to stick in a barrel, that'd be great. Yeah. But I'm moving out what I, what I got in order to, you know, pay the rent and get more grain that for the next so brew. That is so great. I'm so glad. So, yeah, we have a, a fresh a fresh beer. Uh, I think the most you'll get an age out of this is probably two or three weeks in the cooler. Okay. Before it's gone completely and the next batch has replaced it. And that's another thing. You can look at that head. I know it. You don't want to take a picture of that lacing. That's one of the things I'm kind of proud of is I'll do it. We get, uh, 
We get comments on that. It, we, I try and give you a nice, a nice head on there. That way, <clears throat> you know, because that that releases the flavor of the beer, especially with the uh, the hoppier varietals of beer. You, you want the that kind of brings everything up, mm-hmm. and you can release the uh, release the aroma. Well, and it has a nice bitterness to it that doesn't, you know, it doesn't bite so hard that you're like, you know, okay. You know, that stays in your mouth and kind of close up or yeah, whatever. It's it's not uh, it's not a yeah, it's not a crazy hopped beer. That's why it's not an IPA, right? I uh, don't get me wrong, love IPAs. Mm-hmm. It's just they're kind of. First of all, everybody's got one. They're, it's the most popular craft beer out there. Um, yeah, and I didn't want to be another IPA in the fields. No one really has a good, stronger pale ale. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, some people classify this as a mild IPA, and a lot of the waitresses at, at bars and restaurants will say, well, it's almost an IPA. If you like IPAs, try this, which is fine. You know, yeah. It's it's a really good comparison, I guess, if you're going to have to describe it as something. Have you ever had any plans of doing bottling, canning? Oh, I'd love to. Any of that great. kind of stuff? Um, is that like a whole other set of... Well, like, first of all, I don't have the space. Right. Uh, just in this facility, it's not going to happen. Um, you need uh, you need a lot of a lot of floor space, you know, just to hold the pallets of bottles. Mm-hmm. Um, so, at least while I'm in this building, probably not. Right. Um, there might be some limited hand bottling done, maybe some you know 750s, maybe some 22 growlers or uh, 22 bombers, but. No, other than that, not in the, in the near future. Yeah. Maybe the intermediate future, if you will. Right. We, uh, we're going to focus on growing volume, mm-hmm. and we get to a, a good, sustainable point. Uh, we're going to probably move to a new purpose-built facility mm-hmm. and uh, you know, get everything set up the way we want it. Right now, we're making stuff work to get it built. Right. Uh, this is phase one. Right. <laughs> phase phase two is you know big time. Get an actual brewery set up uh, with you know a nice tap room, uh, a lab, an office, all that good stuff. Right. Sloped floors with a trench drain. Oh man, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so that is great. So uh, tell me about like with your. Well, obviously the grains you get and all that. Do you get, like, fresh hops? How do you do your hops? All right, so uh, hops are kind of interesting. Uh, you know, I'm from the financial world. I understand, you know, forward contracts, et cetera, and, you know, the, the stock market for goods. Right. I didn't know breweries had to do that. You have to get a contract for your hops if you want to make sure you get them. So last year, or I guess technically this year, it's almost 2013. Um, you see how far yeah, ahead yeah, I'm no, planning. Um, we had to uh, we had to put a contract down on what hops we wanted, um, and I'm going to get them delivered here pretty soon, coming up January, February, March. Okay. Um, you buy them uh, in 11 or 44 pound bags, mm-hmm. and they're nitro sealed, so they're flushed with nitrogen and then sealed up. Okay. Um, so they'll uh, they'll last months. Um, but that's that's pretty much how you do it. I got a freezer full of hops, hundreds, hundreds of dollars worth of hops. Wow. Um, the grain, on the other hand, there's enough of it that you don't have to really get a contract on it. You could if you're you know you're using millions of pounds yeast. We have our uh, proprietary yeah, strain. Um, right now, both beers we have, well, all the beers we have, are made with the same the same varietal. So we get it, we keep it, and we wash it, reuse it, all that good stuff. All right, so now you're going to have 
the albino pumpkin. All right. So this is a blonde pumpkin. I've never come across a blonde pumpkin before. Mm -hmm. So I decided why not. Um, and because some people get scared when they see brown or you know amber beers. Oh, right. it's too dark. I don't drink that. Well, crap. You don't even know what it tastes like. Yeah, especially for a seasonal people. Right. Kind of so shy away from those. Anyway. And the thing is, it's a, you know it's a fall going into winterish beer. So let's do something unexpected and make it bright yellow. <laughs> Well, it's, it's kind of reflected in the taste. I mean, it's a nice... You taste the, you taste what you want. You don't taste the heavier beer notes or the roasted notes. You get pumpkin. There's, there's pumpkin and a nice blend of spices. It's not cloying. It's not overly cloves yeah, or anything, so, you know? Uh, no cloves. I don't put cloves in. Not at all. No. I use uh, real pumpkin, right. of course. I mean, you got to have pumpkin with a pumpkin beer. I think it's... Yeah, you got to have pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I got pumpkin. I got cinnamon, nutmeg, and, and brown sugar. It's the simplest recipe you can make. It's a, nice. it's a pumpkin pie that you threw into a beer, basically. Yeah. Um, and it's, like you said, it's it's enough spice that mm-hmm. you clearly get this is a pumpkin spice ale. But it's and not. I guess my brain's almost trying to even put in right. like a little bit of clove, like, but it's. It's it's, it's smooth. It's, it's not like you're taking the cinnamon challenge. No, no. <laughs> well, you know, um, I had one the other day, and I didn't do much of the pumpkin at all this year. And so I grabbed the pumpkin ale um, that I'd seen a couple of people say, oh, yeah, this is really good. Holy moly. I, I don't think I made it halfway through because I was just like, I felt like I just put all these spices in my mouth and was just gnawing on them. I mean, it was, yeah. It was, I mean, you'll hear me say over and over again, I am a huge fan of if you say something or a beer is something, it better be it. Right. So, like, if you say it's a pumpkin ale, you better have a pumpkin flavor. You better have the spice to it. Right. But on the flip coin, the flip side of that coin, you don't want to overdo it. Right. Um, it's really easy to overdo things. Like, you know, there are certain beers out there that say they're a, you know, so-and-so ale. Right. I'll make up. They're a coriander ale. I don't want to single anybody out. Right, right. <laughs> and I don't taste any coriander. Right. Or it's a... Um, you know, a, a peach flavored ale, mm-hmm. and I just taste a blonde ale. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna say it's something, it better right be something. Right. So when I say it's gonna be a pumpkin ale, you'll definitely taste the spices, but it's a fine line you gotta walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second batch I did this year was very nutmeg. Yeah. Very nutmeg. This has half of the nutmeg of that the, of that the, batch. The last one. And it was it was still good and drinkable, but. You couldn't have more than 12 ounces, right. and you're just like, hey, that's enough. I need something else. <laughs> well, I like that this, I mean, the pumpkin comes through, the, the spices support it, but there's no, you know, like you said, it's not sort of like you know, nutmeg ale with some pumpkin in it or right. whatever. Well, and I did um, an apple ale um, not too long ago. And, uh, you know, for the five-gallon batch, it was like you put a half a teaspoon of nutmeg and a half a teaspoon of cinnamon, whatever. And I thought, you're not even going to taste these. Perfect. I mean, it, it, it really... It's great. It, it, yeah. you, you don't need a lot of that stuff, you know, to really have Use it. any apple extract in there? No. no. Just, just the spices, huh? Yeah. Interesting. I did, I did, well, I did spices, and then I did uh, a gallon of apple cider like oh, okay just like not yeah. alcoholic cider 
Just the regular. Just the regular cider. Good uh, old sugar. How long have you guys been doing tours? The whole um, time? Or? Pretty much. Uh, the problem, we didn't start originally because I didn't have any beer. Common Table bought my entire first batch almost. Oh. So, well, not, not a bad problem. I was going to say. But, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, crap. I can't have a tour until I have another batch of beer and make that. So, uh, we, we did our friends and family tour, I think, maybe 8.15. I think, or something like that, and then the next week we had our our, our grand opening tour. So only two and a half months we've been doing tours, two okay. months. So it's yeah, it's we've only done like eight or nine of them. Okay, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, nine okay. tours. So my my grandfather owned and built a uh, winery from scratch, really? just like I did a brewery. Um, so it's in the family, kind of. I, yeah, I never actually was up there to see it, unfortunately. Okay. Um, the one time I was up there, he was only doing grapes. Uh, and he got pissed off because the people who were buying the grapes were screwing him on price. He's like, well, forget you. I'll make my own juice and sell that. Well, then they were screwing him on that. So they well, screw you. I'll make my own wine. Right. And then sell the distributor. Well, you're screwing me on price there, so I'm going to do my own wine and distribute myself. <laughs> so he's kind of in the same boat I am. Just do everything yourself. Right. And then you don't have to worry about people, you know, taking your hard-earned work and not giving any cash for it. Right. But, uh, yeah, I guess... Uh, I guess it's kind of in the family. We got both things covered. Maybe an uncle somewhere has a distillery. I don't know about. Yeah. It. <laughs> Some long, long. Uh, I love a little whiskey. That's uh, I, have a, I, have a, I have a thing for whiskey. But all right, so Midnight Ninja. Now here we go. This is it. But uh, yeah, this is a uh, my layering spoon. <laughs> we do we do layered beers. Oh, do you? Yeah. yeah. Who wants a black and tan? When you Perfect. Can get a red, when you can get a redneck ninja. <laughs> That's awesome. Texas Pale and Ninja. That is awesome. So, all right. So, this guy here, um, 6.5%, just like the pumpkin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's going to actually, I, I can tell you the story of why it's called the Midnight Ninja. Okay. Um, so, when I brewed my first test batch after I decided to resurrect it from the discarded pile of memories, I. Uh, <laughs> is that what you call it? Like, this basically. Is a binder with discarded pile yeah, of memories. Right yeah, basically. <laughs> I uh, brewed the keg. I carved it up, and we sat down. We just kind of we actually had this my uh, the back seat of my Chevy, which I made into a couch. Um, <laughs> sat there. We had the keg next to us, and we just filled up glasses. We were uh, I don't know watching TV or talking or doing something. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had I say I think I had three or four of them. I was like, all right, I gotta go to the bathroom because you know you ever drink beer and have to go to the bathroom? Yeah, happened to me. Happens. Happened to me. So like, <laughs> happens to some folks. I, I don't like, know. Yeah. I got up went to the bathroom and I just like took like one step. I was like, whoa, that's a strong beer because mm-hmm. I didn't realize I had drank four of them in like forty minutes. Oh snap! Because it, yeah, it, it just goes down so easily. Because you know we've been drinking the Texas Pale while we were working and doing whatever. Right. And we just sat down. Like, I got this Ninja, or I, actually at the time it was just my black ale. Right. Let's just drink it and see if we like it, and maybe I'll make another and see what we want to change about it. So I had, like I said, three or four of them. Yeah. Just like whoa, yeah. snuck up on me like a ninja. <laughs> so that's where there the name comes from. Yeah. Um, and obviously midnight because it's dark. It's is dark. This this is great. Like there is no light penetration. No, going it's, on. it's black. It's really it's, black. That's great. But it's so drinkable. Like it's got a nice sweetness to it. It's got it's, sweetness. It's got maybe a little ester fruitiness to it. Definitely. Because um, I don't I don't like astringent beers. I don't like the ones where you taste like you're drinking a little bit of burnt. Right. And a lot of them get that character to them. And that's not my goal. My goal is the exact opposite. I want to bring the smoothness mm-hmm. of a blonde ale. 
You can just drink it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a little bit of flavor, get the roast in there, but... Like I said, not bring any of the negative qualities that people think of a dark ale. I don't want it to be bitter. I don't want it to be burnt. Mm-hmm. You want well, to- a lot of people expect, if they see something like this, they're going to expect a Guinness taste. And I, you drop your head. Yeah. People can't see this, but uh, dropping your head. Yes. I'm a Guinness fan. Are you really? I'll go to Sam's. They got the Sam's. They got the 24 pack for $25. Right. The cans. I'll buy that, you know, two or three flats of it. Oh, really? I love the stuff. Okay. But that's not what I make. No. And that's the biggest thing I fight against because everybody thinks a black beer is going to taste like Guinness. I'm sweeter. Sweeter and smooth. Right. Um, So. We actually had a, a private tour with the Saxe and Rowlett <clears throat> Fire Department. They came out and just took a day off for whatever they were, you know, the people that weren't on, on duty. Right. Uh, and they came out and drank it. And one guy was adamant, I do not want to drink your black beer. Right. Like, well, too damn bad. You're getting <laughs> You're it. here. You um, exactly. Yeah. Well, for the, the private tours, we usually do, you know, everybody has this one, they drink it, and everybody has this one, and everybody has this one. Right. So the third one came around, he's like, I'll take the other one. I was like, no, you will not. You will have an ounce of this. I'll pour you, uh, basically, I poured about three ounces in the bottom. Taste it, sit down, drink two, three sips. Don't just stop on the first one. Right. If you don't like it, I will pour you two of whatever beer you want. Right. No problem. And he sat down and he shut up because it was really good. Yeah. And, um, and I, what I do with the tour, you know, last call, everybody gets one of whatever they want. They pick your favorite beer and come get it. Every single person, including that guy. Yeah. Ninja, please. Ninja, yeah. please. So. That this was, is, no, I'm, you know what, and I could tell, you know, we're going along, we're talking about each one. You're, I mean, you love this one. I do love it. And and I, and I can totally tell why. I, I mean, it is really good. And the best part is, I didn't even mean to do it. It was an accident, just like a sticky note. One of the best inventions ever. <laughs> Same with duct tape. Yeah. Duct tape doesn't work for ducks. <laughs> the thing it was designed for it doesn't work. Right. <laughs> but it's great. It's a great product. So I love this. And yeah, this is one of my one of my favorites. I got a keg of both at home now. Oh right. I, yeah. I, I tap. I every about every six beers I switch over taps. Now here's here's the question for it. Can can people obtain? Yes. So we're in like because I saw like a short keg out there. All right. Like, so okay. So how does yeah, this work? We have mini kegs. Yeah. Uh, they're Sankey D, just like the regular regular kegs. Um, so your standard American tap, uh, but they are 10 liters, so 2.64 gallons, right. 26 beers, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, they are on special order only. No one has them in stock. Uh, if you really want one, uh, you can get it from one of the three liquor stores. So uh, Legacy Liquor in the Colony carries it. Okay. Um, Specs carries it, and uh, Kegs and Barrels okay. carries it. People that come on the tours, I want to give them a growler. That's my thing. That, well, I, I was going to ask fill about up a growler. Yeah. And so is that the same sort of? I guess that's the same. It's sort the of same deal. law. It's yeah. It's a te- technically it's a closed container. Mm. It's kind of like the. Uh, that's a loosely closed. It's kind of like the stupid on, Louisiana people. law. If you put a thing on top of the straw, it's a closed container. No. So yeah, you flip <laughs> you flip the top closed, and it's a closed container. So Jeez. that's what I want to be Come able on. to do. You know, just hook up a straw here and right. fill up a growler. That way, people come to the tour. Oh, I really love your ninja. I don't want to go to a bar and buy it. I want to go home and have you know some lasagna that I made tonight. Right. I want your beer. I'm sorry. 
Right. Uh, pretty soon, uh, it'll be in Whole Foods, the Growler Station. And then, okay. you know, Craft and Growler, they... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me get in there as well. I'm really glad to be able to go to a local bar and get a local beer. Yeah. And it, it, uh, that's the one I'll go for every single time. They can have some great beers on tap. I'm always going to go to our local stuff first. I, I appreciate that. And, I mean, you know, it's one of the things that we're really happy that the Dallas community has kind of embraced it they're asking for local beers mm-hmm. um, you know and not to uh, not to say that I'm different than the other local breweries but I'm more focused on a region mm-hmm. versus DFW as a whole right I want to get my beer in every restaurant here mm-hmm. you know Plano Rowlett Saxy Wiley Garland Rockwall I want places like like Razoo's. Razoo's doesn't have craft beer. They have a beta. Right. Yeah. And that's it. Mm-hmm. I want places like that to carry craft beer, my beer. Because, um, you know, like Flying Saucer, great. It's probably our home base. Mm-hmm. We sell a lot of beer there. Everybody in Raleigh is going to go there to get my beer. Yeah. But they, have a, they always have beer like that. I want to get the people that... You know, live here, not just the people who go for beer, right? To drink the beer, right? Um, so I kind of have a different goal in mind, which is probably harder to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it's easy; everybody would do it, right? Right, exactly. Well, good. Again, okay. thank you very, very much. Pleasure's all mine. Yeah, I love to sit here and drink beer while I watch my volunteers do work. <laughs> Three beers and a scotch is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call on the Ideology of Madness hotline at 972-763-5903. Leave a comment on the blog or follow us on Twitter. Details in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and always remember and never forget that while you can lead a horse to water, you cannot make him share a single malt. Celebrity Voices Impersonated.